Welcome to Vets to PM's Military Transition Academy podcast, the show where we discuss how to succeed in transitioning from the military service to the civilian workforce. This show and the academy it represents helps veterans transition into meaningful, lucrative post-service careers. Your primary host is Eric Doc Wright, PhD, Certified Manager, Military Veteran, Serial Founder, Best-Selling Business Author, Philosopher, Linguist, and Coach. Your other host is Jeremy Burdick, Project Management Professional, Scrum Master, Product Owner, and Retired Air Force Chief, and the current COO of Vesta PM and the Professional Development Unit University, where we will interview veterans successful in corporate America and business to bring you nuggets of wisdom every episode to make you more successful. Next, let's introduce today's guest. Our guest today is Teresa Moon, and she joined the Parabolus team in late fall of 2020. She brings to that team her extensive experience in business development within government contracting, marketing and branding, relationship building, and partnership management. Her impact is best recognized in her abilities to generate business opportunities within several industries through networking, developing partnerships, and understanding how to effectively create reciprocal referral relationships. Teresa builds lasting relationships through loyal and trustworthy cooperation and commitment. She's a consummate academic and began her career as a teacher both at the university and high school levels. She worked several years in business-to-business sales for a Fortune 100 company and led her division in corporate partnership collaborations that resulted in sales. In 2018, she reignited her professional career and devoted her efforts into business development and government contracting, specifically within the simulation community in her hometown of Orlando, Florida. Her understanding of the contract award process is necessary to support the small to mid-sized contractors' parabolous services. She has earned contracts within contract staffing and cybersecurity and is proficient in the traditional RFP process. Ms. Moon has her bachelor's degree in literature from University of Central Florida and her master's in literature from the same university and is a proud mother of two girls. I can't wait for you to get to know her. She's electric. She's exciting. And this should be fun. So from a staffing perspective, I made major connections within... Um, some of the the military organizations here in Orlando. So I, I have tight connections at, at PEO Stry and Athens and PM Traces and uh, NOC TSD, for instance. And, and I was looking to, from staffing at that time, I was looking to bridge the gap for people that were retiring from their their service to the country and looking for those next opportunities. And then it was my ability to connect them with some of these companies that were supporting the simulation and modeling community. And I found pretty quickly that staffing was not my passion. I, um, I'm about a good of, of, as of a, of a recruiter as um, nobody ever wants to be. Um, I'm like, you know, you laugh at my jokes, you tell me I'm pretty, you're hired. And that's not really good when you're qualifying really high level IT and engineering positions. So um, I had a, a mentor once that told me there's two kinds of engineers. One that looks at your shoes when he's talking to you and the other that looks at his shoes when he's talking to you. And so I, I realized really quickly that I wasn't qualified to qualify them for these positions. And so uh, through that, I knew business development was where I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to save gov- government contracting. So I started doing independent consulting and government, government contracts for a cybersecurity company. Um, from there, I realized that um, you know there was a lot that could be done on um, you know in introducing people to options that would allow them to pay for operating expenses that they didn't 
know were going to happen. CMMC pushed down the throats of especially small business owners, a whole bunch of expenses that they didn't expect. And 100% of my calls on a daily basis automatically reverted to, well, why the hell does it cost so much? And that's the worst place you want to be in a sales call. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And my my biggest champion and my my mentor, my dad, was in this space many years ago. And he said, you need a middle. You got to find someone that's going to help these people fund that very necessary, very useful portion of their business. And I connected by way of, of um, people introducing me to my now team, my vice president now at Parabolus. And I said, hey, you know, where he and I are about the same age, we got kids the same age, we, we meshed well together. We did a couple of panel discussions talking about these things and how they converge together. And after a while, you know, the rest is pretty much history. They were like, we like the way you make those connections. Can you get on the calls with me? And when people are like, why does it cost so much? You step in and say, well, don't worry about it. We got the money for you to do it. And it just, it highlighted to me more than anything that social selling was where my strengths were. Being a connector was where my strengths were. And um, Parabolus has allowed me to hone in on all of that. I um, I do a lot of writing. I'm an English major. I like to write. I have a podcast. I, I like to talk. I like to listen to myself talk and listen to what other people have to say in return. And, um, you know, I'm a little bit of a ham, just a little. And so I've, I've been really blessed. I, I work for a veteran-owned company, um, veteran-operated company. And the initiatives that we mutually agreed on were supporting veterans wherever they are in finding opportunities to acclimate into civilian life and be as successful as they possibly can be as just a way of saying thanks. Um, my CEO is a 25-year Air Force veteran. He owned a couple of government contracting companies on his own before he joined us. So he comes with you know, multitude of experience when it comes to that. So we really focus on assisting all business and government contracting, but we have a, a strong uh, soft spot in our heart for veteran businesses. Wow. So CJB and see everybody out there listening and watching an MTA podcast nation. I mean, I had, I met Teresa, we did a panel together. I had a phone call with her. Uh, and then I was just like, holy cow, sister, you got to come on and talk to my peeps. Like they, they're just going to be blown away. So, um, and the fun is just starting, right? So mm -hmm. I, Teresa, I really love something you said about social selling, right? And uh, I've even, I went back and added that adjective to all my digital media. And I, who cares, doc, whether you're a social entrepreneur or not, but entrepreneur, the definition basically is, Hey, I took a little money. I took all the risk. I started this thing and I get the lion's share of the benefit. I'm like, Hmm, no wonder people think capitalists could sometimes be assholes and self-centered. Right? <laughs> right. So what I realized is I started researching social entrepreneurship. Everything we do at Vets of PM, everything we do with our nonprofits, they're all they're all fixing a social problem, a societal problem. Yeah, I'm an LLC. Yes, people vote for me and my team with their dollars instead of their donations, right? But the cool thing is that I don't have two jobs. I don't have to hustle donations and deliver services. I just deliver goods and services, right? And then put yep. kids through college and stuff. Yep. So, but the point is, is the social aspect I think is so key. If you make it about the other person first, and they get the wicked, wild, awesome benefits first. Nobody cares if you get a good deal on the backside of that transaction, right? Because they got a right. good deal first, right? I think humans in general have an innate sense of fairness, right? We know it when we see it, and we know it when it's not there. Um, 
So tell us a little bit about more about that social selling, because what I heard is, hey, I'm a gal who listens and determines what I think I need and what I think I can help you with. And then if I can't, I'll help. I'll get somebody that will help you. And if I can, here's how I can. Let's talk about if that would be what you're looking for or not. Tell us a little mm -hmm. bit more about that. Absolutely. I think it's it's twofold. I was raised by someone who could talk to a lamppost. So now I can too, right? So I relate to other human beings very easily. And I find reasons to relate to you, whether we have something you know comparable or not. Second side of that, I'm I'm a girl and I'm a mom. I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm empathetic. I'm emotionally connected when I'm talking to someone, and I genuinely like to learn about people and learn new things. And I'm one of those people that gets hyper excited about someone who's smarter than me. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what you do. If you do something really well and you're passionate about it, that inspires me. And so I try to look to that when I'm talking to people to draw that out of them. What is it that they're really into? that they could teach me something about. And from that, being a connector after that is easy. I know everyone. I mean, screw Kevin Bacon. There's two degrees of Teresa Moon. You know what I mean? Like I make friends everywhere I go on purpose because human connection goes so much further than a, a product does or a, or a goods will do in, in terms of building relationships. And so I make sure from a social side of things that not everyone's going to like me. I get it, you know, and my mom always told me when I was a kid that I'm an acquired taste and that some people are going to love me and some people are going to hate me. And I just had to, to deal with it. And I get that. But I know that through a little bit of listening and a little bit of learning, I'm going to know someone that's going to be impactful in your life. And if it doesn't amount to a dollar in my bank account afterwards, I don't care. The satisfaction that I get by knowing that I've helped someone really is important to me. And that's not BS. That That's legitimate. And, and it is something that makes it that I, I'm happy getting up doing what I do every day because I'm not worried about that because the good stuff that comes with that follows just by trying to put my first, you know best foot forward in the things that I'm doing. And so I think human connection is so, so important. And people that steer away from it for whatever reason, whether it's anxiety or whether it's they're introverted or anything like that, they can still have those points of contact and points of connection that that make that deeper level of, of relationship that make it easier to do business. You know, and when I was getting back into the workforce, I leaned in on my dad's connections. I, you know, being born and raised here, we know everyone. I, my, my parents have been in Orlando for 50 years. And I've talked to people and they said, you know, be like your dad, because we didn't care what he was doing, what he was selling, where he was working. We trust him. So we were willing to do whatever he was doing with him because we knew he wasn't going to sell us down the river. And, and that's what I aspire to do in my dealings is making sure that people know that I'm Teresa Moon first. I'm not Teresa of Parabolis or whatever I'm doing. I, I owe it to myself to be doing the right thing by other people. And that's what I lead with. And I think Social selling has a lot to do with that it is ownership. Whether you work for someone else or you work for yourself as an entrepreneur, you own that, that, that you can take with you wherever you go. And I think that's a big piece of it. Man, that's so powerful because a lot of our guys and get at, and gals get out, you know, they've done 12 years, they've done 15 years, they've done 20 plus years of serving others. And a lot of them, one of the biggest challenges they're going to face is wow, what the heck do I do for a living now? Like, what do I want to do? I, I, that's a scary question. So they go get in the, Hey, I want to be an employee line and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But they find 32% of them on average when surveyed, they leave that first gig out of uniform 32% of the time, 32% of them do. Why? Cause they took the first thing that said paycheck on it. 
And they're like, man, this sucks. Man. Yeah. There's got to be something else out there. And then the unfortunate part is because they don't figure out it's them first. They take them with them, right? Figure out who you want to be first. And then you can go do a lot of things and be successful. Is they're like, well, the grass looks greener on that side of that other fence. So they climb over there and they slip in that pile of shit and they find out it's just better fertilized over there. It doesn't yeah. mean it's any better. Right. You know what I mean? And so th- that's powerful that you would say that too. Like, hey, I'm Teresa Moon first. And then, oh, by the way, I know some people. I've been chatting with you. I think I can help you. Here's how mm-hmm. I think I can help you. Would that be helpful to you? That's yeah. a conversation. And I think that's especially um so critical today in our social media world. Hey, look at all my likes and my followers and my everything. <laughs> like at the end of the day, man, those are those people even real? Right. Like, you know, what Musk just canceled the Twitter deal because like half of them aren't real. I mean, you know, so in a in a you've got a bunch of tribe members who are wired to be around each other and be social critters, but our society is making us less social, making us mm-hmm. less socially connected, right? Are you finding that that's even more important or growing in importance as you, as you mature as a Teresa moon and as a salesperson and like the social part is even more critical today. Yeah. I mean, not to mention that COVID added an extra layer of distance between us. Right. I've talked to so many people that are like, I still don't go out to events. I still don't. And they, of course, when I'm traveling from Florida and coming up there, I'm like, we don't wear masks. <laughs> this isn't, what do you know? I mean, I get into a cab in, in Washington, DC and they're like, can you put your mask on? I was like, I don't even have one. If you want me to wear one, I hope you have one under your seat to lend to me because uh, how about this? Does this work? Roll down my window. I don't know what to tell you, you know, not that I don't take it seriously, but you know, I, I have to put risk, uh, you know, aside when I'm, I need to get out. But I think, the that has compromised our ability to connect with each other in a human way anymore. You know, like when I started my sales career, I was literally, and I'm 43 years old. So I was, I'm talking, I sound like I'm 65 saying that, but I was knocking on doors. I was literally, you know, not walking in, having that gatekeeper looking at me like, get the hell out of here. And I, I learned really quickly how to read people's emotional reaction to my being there. And I knew how to pivot when I got that, get the hell out of your face, I knew it was, you know, I'm selling smiles. I'm not selling what I'm selling. So I just wanted to, I wanted to meet you. You know, I had people throwing my business card in the trash can before I even left the office. You know, I would go back and take it out and walk out. You know, it's like, I get it, you know, and we don't have that anymore. And I think I I crave that because I function at a really high level face to face being able to read you. Um, But I think we we have to be able to, you know, play the cards we've been given. And and this is the environment that we live in now. We we don't have a choice. There are a lot of people who are completely content with only talking on the phone or only being like this on video. Um, So you just have to know how to how to modify what you're doing to to fit every occasion. And that's hard for people, especially, you know, I remember in the beginning when we just had Zoom for the first time. And I remember getting on the phone with like three star generals and they're like, I can't figure out you can hear in the background. I can't figure out how to use this shit. Like, you know, it's like, (laughs) what are you talking about? You've got like 47 degrees. You've been in the military, like ruling the world for 100 years. You don't know how to click on your camera on Zoom. (laughs) <laughs> like, oh my gosh, what is happening right now? <laughs> and where the hell are your four staffers? Is it somebody you know? in that room know how to use a mouse? Yeah. Uh. So I, you just got to roll with it. And I, I think some of us are equipped to do that. And some of us need to catch up.
Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think it's excellent. And I think you, uh, the social selling and really the deeper network too. So, I mean, it's not just a skin level mm-hmm. network. You need somebody to remember you so that when you pick up the phone and call them and say, Hey, this is Teresa on the other end. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll set aside what I'm trying to do right now. What, what is either officially or artificially making me busy. And I will give you my time to listen to what you've got to say. And then from there, that relationship will seed whatever objective that you were trying to get. So I, I don't know if the audience picked up on it, but it sounds to me like you put Teresa first, then you put the relationship and then you put the goods and services um, tertiary after that you've already taken care of said, Hey, ethically, I've got to do this for me. And then secondary, I got to provide the other individual some value to their time. And then third, I'll work on the goods and services that I'm trying to uh, achieve here, whatever objective it was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't become a social or a subject matter expert just because you say so. They have to trust you, right? Oh my God, you half of LinkedIn is freaking out right now, (laughs) Teresa. You realize that, right? What? Yeah, I mean, that it's just, it's the way it is. And I find that if I earn trust because of who I am, people are going to look up what I do. I mean, I've had people call me literally. They're like, you know, we're in process with your company right now. And um, before I, I I went towards it, I looked it up and I was like, oh my gosh, that's Teresa's company. And, you know, and I thought, good. I'm glad that it, I was leading with me and I wasn't just pinning you in a corner so I could, you know, barf parabolas all over you, you know, like that's just not how I roll. And because of that, people look towards what I'm saying as meaningful instead of it just that I'm saying whatever they need to hear so that they sign on the dotted line. That's not, I remember your name and I always say, give me enough information about you to make me dangerous. And I will remember you when people talk about things and I'm going to connect you with people that I think are worth it for you because of that. And I think because I can build a relationship through those avenues that they're going to look me up then after that. Okay, what is this crazy girl doing then? What, what, where does she work? What do they do? And how can I reciprocate? You know, people who actually get it, they, they look towards that. And, and a lot of people get it. So it's a good thing. You know, and I'm actually doing some research on a blog post I'm going to write about how we're wired for customer service, both to get a good customer experience or CX or UX or whatever you call it, and how we give it, right? And that's one of the most fundamental psychological principles of this whole thing. We're all social critters, right? Mm-hmm. Which means we need to trust each other, which, you know, they say what people buy from people they like and trust, right? So if you tell me you're going to do something and you do it, I now think, wow, that Teresa, maybe I could trust her. She did what she said. And then I'm going to make you do it again. I'm going to see if it was dumb luck or if if you really were genuine. Oh, she just did it twice. Oh, she did it and didn't even ask for anything in return. Oh, she did it before I even asked her and she knew I was going to put her through a test. People start to realize, hey, man. Teresa isn't full of it. Teresa says something. She means it. She cares about what I think about her and our relationship. And then whether they know it or not, you just clicked in the psychological principle of reciprocity. Hey, you went and hunted some squirrel. You brought it home and shared some squirrel at the fire last night with me, which means you only ate half a squirrel. Oh, sister, you better believe when I bring something home, we're going to share it at the fire. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's that's how we're wired, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And you know, to that point, that's why it's great to work with veterans because they understand that from their experience in service, right? It's a it's a family environment. And when you, when you show that family level of concern, 
people remember that, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I, I don't have any military experience myself, but that experience of doing something for so long, that was your identity and then having to pivot and move into civilian life. I do understand a small bit of that, you know, I mean, not to get too personal, but I was a stay at home mom for nine years. And then because I, I needed to get a job through my divorce, I was like, well, I didn't have anything to fall back on. I didn't have a professional career that I could say, oh, I'm going to jump back into this. And so I had to reinvent myself at almost 40 years old. And doing that in the middle of going through some personal turmoil was not easy, but I, I get it. And, and it took a long time. I took the first damn job that I was offered because I wanted to not be living in my parents' house at 40 years old, you know, and it was awful. And I got taken advantage of by my first several employee employers because they, you know, wanted me to fit a certain role that my personality doesn't allow. I, I'm not a, a you know, uh, someone who fits the mold. <laughs> and so and I, I ran by the strict mantra of don't tell me what to do. So I, I'm a hard worker and I'm a self-starter. I don't need someone to, you know, micromanage me. And I had a couple of micromanaging employers in the beginning. It made it really clear, like what you said in the beginning, figure out what you want first and then go look for a job, even in, especially when you're desperate for the, for the paycheck, you know, I mean, especially right now, you can have a couple of uh, part-time jobs that will equate to that low paying full-time job that you're going to jump towards and be miserable at until you really figure it out. And I think programs like what you guys provide, a lot of programs out there to help veterans figure that out. So that they're not just jumping to the first thing that, that, you know, flops in their face. I mean, it, it's super important and, and figuring out what your value is beyond what your, your job detail was when you were in the military. I think it's huge because a lot, I, I've seen a lot of veterans not wanting anything to do with what they did there. They're ready to do something totally different. And I, I commend them that that's a lot of undertaking, but better to do that than to just continue the same old, same old, be miserable at it. Yeah, for sure. And what a, what an extremely powerful share, really, when you when you talk about the transition of a, you know, a, a lady like yourself, that going from a single mom into back into the professional workforce is not that much different than a veteran transitioning into the civilian world. Mm-hmm. You're, the transition is going to happen. It's involuntary, right? It, right? it has to happen. It's required. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, uh, but but the evolution of your mind, the the transformation of your your work ethos or what anything that you're about to do, your career, that part it it takes concerted effort. You had to sit down and decide, I'm going to remake myself. And, and there's a lot of listeners out there that are going to transition that will take the first job out mm-hmm. of security. And we've talked about it, uh, Doc and I, on several different shows about how the fear. Um, and the want for that security will drive you to that. And that's okay, right? If that's yeah. what you need, if that's your, if that's your, your landing, then go for it, do it, but still be hungry to go learn what you love because you can transition just like the 30 plus percent that doc said, Hey, yeah, you're going to jump ship and, and yeah. just to do it. it's not failure, right? It, it's still a learning progress in what you want to be and who you will become. And, and see, that's part of the problem that, that our, most of our guys and gals face too, Teresa, you said it. So, hey, my identity was homemaker and spouse and mom and whatever. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden I'm ass kicker, solution selling Teresa, like watch me world, here I come. So you can either get fetal and get 
you know, paralyzed with fear and about this ain't fair, or you can get 10 feet tall, bulletproof and eat glass. I mean, like yeah. the world doesn't care what, how you respond, right? but you're going to care how you respond. So, you know, I think a lot of our guys and gals, you know, if you need the security, you need the stability. Awesome. But if you choose that and then you choose to do something else later, or you choose to do something else on your own first in the civ div, in the military, like, oh, you failed. That's bad. Bunch of type A's. You failed. Like you're out. You suck. You're not getting the next level of command or next rank or whatever. Because that's right. how we're taught, right? But in the civilian workforce, nobody gives a shit, right? Like, hey, I had this job. I was there for nine months and they weren't taking care of me. And I want to play for a team that's after pennants. You guys want to win a ring? Let's go win a ring. Like I put, put me on the field, coach. In yep. the civilian world, I expect to see you move every two, three, four years. There's no such thing as loyalty. I give you a paycheck. You bring me value greater than the dollars I gave you. And we're all even like, right. it, it, it doesn't mean fail. You either fail or you learn how not to do something. Right. Right. And, and man, that has helped so many vets that Jeremy and I work with like off the hook, dude, the next thing you do doesn't have to be the last thing you do. Don't worry right. about it. Go learn some stuff. If you like it, stay. If you don't like it, jump ship, go do something else. Like who cares? Nobody, right. but you. Yeah. I mean, you know, to that point as well, no better motivator or indicator of what you don't want than a bad situation that's going to teach you about what you truly want instead. Right. So it took a couple of bad employers to teach me about what I didn't want to be as a leader, you know, and it took a couple of, you know, jobs that weren't suited for me to figure out what I didn't want to do anymore, what I wasn't willing to give up anymore. So that, I, you know, I mean, being exhausted at the end of the day, as much as it is exhausting, it's rewarding, right? Because you know that there's something that you actually cared about enough to expend all that energy. But if you're putting all that energy towards something that you really don't love, then there's really, it, there's, there's no satisfaction at the end of it. And, and so I think that's more important than any dollar amount because if you're doing what you love, you're, the money's gonna come because you'll figure out a way to make that money. But it takes it takes courage to figure that out. And especially when you got a family to support, when you've only known things a certain way, you know, and, and when you've got these, uh, you know, saboteurs in your brain that are telling you that this is the way your things are supposed to be in order for you to be successful. And you don't know how to reach that without doing it this way that you've always been told and it ain't working anymore. It, it's, it's, you know, a, it's a mind F, right? Like it's hard to get out from underneath it when you you're totally, you know, sinking underneath it. And so um, I get it. And, that, and that's why I try to, to help as much as I can. You know, there's a lot of, of, you know, talk about women, we bring each other up and we got to be this and that. There's a lot of women who aren't like that. <laughs> and I worked for a couple of them, but I make a point to know what that feels like and know what I've been through to get to where I am now. And so I'm making a concerted effort to be different than that. And I think because of that, I can share that with other people that might have similar responsibilities. So that's why I say I don't relate 100% to what a veteran goes through in trans transitioning into civilian life, but I get what it means to pivot and do something completely different and how it hits you on every level of your senses when you're trying to do it. And it ain't easy, but you can do it. And to, and to tie some of this together. So for those of you that, that, that aren't watching this, you're really missing out on this firecrackers background. That's for sure. But, <laughs> but, you know, when she talks about, Hey, it's not just, uh, I'm Teresa first. And she talks about being exhausted and pouring herself into something she loves, which is helping businesses secure capital and grow and make and, and take care of more people and whatever. 
Tell us about some of the volunteer stuff you do, because Fabob is just one of several, gang. I mean, you talk about somebody who leaves it all on the field every single freaking practice. This gal is it, man. So tell us about some of that stuff, Felicia. <laughs> yeah, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? <laughs> I, um, I, in the beginning of getting back into the professional world, I had a problem with saying no. So I, and I like to, to help. I like to be needed. I'm a mommy, right? I like to be needed and I like saying yes. Um, but I found really quickly the biggest satisfaction that I got was assisting in these uh, veteran initiatives that, especially that benefit veterans in the state of Florida. I've lived here my entire life. Um, you know, I've got family members that are, are, are active duty still and then are, are veterans. And, and so I see a real benefit to getting them here and getting them on their feet and into an economic role that not only satisfies what we need here in the state, but what they need at their, at their house too, right? Um, all too often it was, I was getting involved with, um, Favob was a no-brainer. They, I went after Favob. They didn't come and ask me to join. I wanted to be a part of Favob because I saw in my own local community, the things that they were doing. And not only were they having a good time, but the message incorporated on a lot of different levels. Um, I've also done uh, some work with um, the uh, uh, the Army and done, uh, I did the Army Birthday Bowl the last two years and putting together their celebration of the birth of the Army and, and the the people who come and, and the pomp and circumstance and the great, you know, um, treasure that is the way that we have a good time in supporting our military. And, and I loved being a part of that too. Uh, I've been involved with camaraderie. I think they do great work as well. But I think more than anything with the what I love about Favob and, you know, Baron Mills got me involved in it when he was at the helm and, and Stu Smith has done a great job taking it over since then and, and really roping it into on, hitting it on all levels, right? How do we really make an impact from a congressional level, right? We're, we need to make sure that there's legislative agendas that are supporting veterans. And when we have um, legislative opportunities to get involved and make things better and make sure that veterans are included in some of the set-asides and making sure, especially from a government contracting mind, um, making sure that the environment is conducive to um, that transition from civilian, from military to civilian and that they're getting all of the services that are are necessary to make sure that, that transition is um, doable. I, I'm passionate about that. You know, I, I did a little bit of marketing for the Gary Sinise Foundation here locally, which was super cool because it's the, the flagship um, you know, chapter for it for the national organization. So that was really cool to be a part of that. And, you know, I I enjoy being a part of that community because like I said in the beginning, I'm I am inspired by people who are smarter than me about stuff. And I had a, only, you know, I had several friends that went into the military out of high school, but it was what they did with their time there and how they transitioned into it that I think inspires me into civilian life that inspires me more than anything um, because they, they put their lives on hold. And, you know, when we were going off to college that summer, they were going off to boot camp and they were, were being, you know, transferred across the world, across the country. And even though it might've sounded cool to me at 18, 19 years old, it was for long periods of time where they weren't seeing their families. And, and I, I respect that a lot. And, you know, in the long run, some of them came back and got college degrees after all of us already had our jobs and were starting families. And, and they were getting started way after where we, where we had started together, you know? And, and I think that if I can just be a part of it in a little way, of using my time and my talent to help shed some light, if that's the least of it, 
and using my connections to to have a force to reckon with making things change and making things better, I'm all for it. Amen, sister. <laughs> wow. That's really, that's really inspiring. And what, what everything that you're doing on top of it. So the volunteering doesn't stop when you're in the military. And that's kind of one of these, these things that you end up having to do to promote, to, to be successful, to get decorations and to get recognized is it's everybody does their job well. Most people do their job well. And then you separate yourself by volunteering and getting involved in the community and making mm -hmm. an impact to the entire team, the base, the, the fort, the, you know, the entire uh, organization. So, and you're doing that through your non-paid time, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so not, not to say that you're not building relationships that tie into pay time. Right. You likely do. Um, as these people begin to transition, what are some really good, like little bits of advice that you could help them go from, okay, ethical, Teresa, I'm not going to do anything that, you know, is, is, you know, violates my personal code. But then two, we, we harp on them about building a network, building a network, you know, and, and you've, you've brought up really some, some excellent nuggets. I just want to kind of tactically give them a couple steps to do to extract all your experience and your success in it to help them do it? You know, and I, that's a great question. And, and the, the thing that I've always thought of now, the older I get, we get a little wiser, right? People love to be asked for their help because it makes them feel good to be able to have something that they can lend to you that you don't have right now, that they can help you get to the next level with it. And so, especially because the, the military family is so close, you always know someone that's already on the outside, right? Lean into those relationships. A thousand percent of the business that I do with Parabolus that's done with veteran-owned businesses, those businesses have grown because of the connections they made in the military. They're brothers in arms, sisters in arms that do something that's connected within their environment, that they share a relationship. They share a contract and team up together and you can trust each other on that. They share you know, a, a facility or a place where you can go and learn a different skill. Or, or go and get services that are going to take you to the next level. You have to be able, we as a, as a country, as a culture, aren't good with asking for help. We're very individualistic. We're very proud, proud and prideful. And nobody wants to ask for help because that makes you weak, right? But that's bullshit. Because if you don't, you're never going to give people the opportunity. Relationships are a two-way street. And if you don't allow people to show you what they can do to help you, then they're not going to want your help either because they, they don't feel like it's a mutual respect. So lean in. If one thing that I can never, you know, say, can't say enough is that lean in on the relationships that you already have. Find those people that you served with that are in the industry that you want to get into, or they're affiliated with an organization that you join a group. These like FAVOB, it doesn't matter that I'm not a veteran. It doesn't matter that I'm not the owner of the veteran owned business. The fact that my objective of being involved in it is to help the overall initiatives that FAVOB is looking to, to promote is enough. And nobody ever is like, oh, you didn't serve. Oh, forget it. I'm not going to talk to you. It, do it doesn't work that way. So these are relationships that I can lean in on and if I needed something or if I, if I need to connect, I pull up the membership list and I know 400 businesses in the state of Florida just because of that group. So if somebody that you connected me with, they came to me and they said, I don't know where I'm going to go next. I could ask them a series of questions and I would have probably 10 people on a list or more that I could connect them with and, and just find that camaraderie and lean into it. 
because it's always best to, you can't do it alone. It's too lonely. It's not, and it doesn't make it fun. And if you don't have fun, you're probably not going to want to do it for very long. You know, and for those of you who don't know, because we've thrown a lot of acronyms at you, it sounds like you're in an army class in here, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, that's the Florida Association of Veteran-Owned Businesses. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, it's helped my company with leads and revenue generation. Um, it's helped me help others with leads and revenue generation. Um, I met Teresa through Favob, um, you know, and, and you can tell by listening to her. I mean, the passion is there. The veteran connection is there. So, sister, you jumped in the mafia. I mean, if a vet says to a vet, hey, I got a gal that can help you, like, that's all they need, man. A, a handshake and a warm face and a smile and an email, that's, that's all we need. So um, I thought something, too, was super powerful. And I'm guilty of this as I stand here embarrassedly and tell you all this. What you said is so powerful about if you don't let people help you, you stunt their contribution. You stunt their creativity. They feel like they're not being recognized and given the opportunity. And I think all the time, I mean, I was raised by somebody from, you know, good parents. And one of them was from Alabama and it's the South. And you talk about being prideful. I mean, you don't take help from anybody because now you owe somebody something and all that, that whole stuff goes on too, <laughs> right? So, um, and you're a man and you can't ask for help, figure it out on your own. Like all that stuff plays into it. Lots of confounding variables. But I realized as soon as you said that, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make a conscious effort. Teresa, you just changed my behavior, sister. I'm going to make a conscious effort. The next time somebody says, hey, Eric, I want to give you this, or hey, Eric, I want to help you with something, instead of saying, hey, man, I really appreciate the gesture, but, right? Because mm -hmm. what do they say? Everything everything before the word but is a bunch of bullshit. It right. doesn't mean what you just said. It's yeah. only what follows it. I think next time I'm going to be conscious now, and I'm going to look for opportunities and say, oh, my God. Teresa, that's amazing. Jeremy, that's amazing. Thank you so much for helping me. And it just is. recognize it, let them help, and then see where it goes, right? Because that yeah. causes the relationship to grow, right? Now, both mm -hmm. of you are giving partners in this relationship and reciprocating. That's amazing. Yeah. If you give people the opportunity to shine, they nine times out of 10 aren't going to disappoint you. And if they do, you learned your lesson and you never do it again, right? There's nothing, <laughs> you're not going to lose it. I mean, it, I get it. It's hard to take that first step. I mean, I am type A and I came from parents like yours. I, you know, if I, I can do it and I probably will do it better. Right. We all we're I'm indispensable. Nobody can do it the way that I do it. That's a tough spot to be because if nobody can do it like you, then there's no way for you to grow. You're going to be stuck in that role forever. You better learn how to do lots of different things. And you can learn a lot from other people. And, you know, I, I, I don't ask for help as much as I should, but I ask for it a hell of a lot more now than I did when I was younger. And every day I try a little bit better to, to open myself up to that. But it's super important. And like I said, the camaraderie with the military family is so tight that those people, I see it. I mean, I've seen some really who I thought were closed-minded people get other people jobs with their companies because they and barely knew them, but they you know came from the same you know groups or whatever they did something similar in the military and they felt so convicted to help that person take that next step in civilian life and and so people are ready to help and if you if you want to make better where you are after you land you, you got to have other people help you get there because you, you can't do it all on your own yeah, it happens all the time. I mean, somebody will hit Jeremy or somebody will hit me or somebody will hit Kathy or, or our retired other retired Air Force chief over in our career services. And they'll say, hey, I'm looking for or hey, I got a guy or gal who's looking for. Mm -hmm. We all immediately go, hey, I know so and so. I think they're looking. And we just reach out on LinkedIn or reach out through emails or reach out through a phone call. And say, hey, I just met this cat. 
Here's what I think they're looking for. I'm not really sure. I think you could help them. See, there's that opportunity to serve again. Hey, I think you might be able to help them. Do you want to have a chat with them? If so, I'm going to connect them. They're going to tell you Doc sent you, and you're going to know why they're there. Mm-hmm. And it has never failed yet, right? I'm batting a thousand and I have nothing to do with it. So it's not my batting average I'm bragging about here. What I'm right. saying is I reach out to my network that who is chock full of people like Teresa Moon. And I say, hey, I have this problem. Can you help me? And I mean, the last guy that we got placed is the longest it's ever taken. It took nine days. Wow. But somebody reached out to somebody who reached out to somebody and they were looking and they said, oh my God. This resume is amazing. Can I talk to him? Would you mind? I'm like, no, have at it. Like yeah. three days later, the nine interviews were over and they literally were starting the next week. It was amazing. And it was just a question. Hey, I got a guy who needs a thing. Do you know anybody? Stand by. Wait one. Yep. I'll be right back. Boom. Done. Yep. And that's what it's all about, you know? And, and if you can't take the time to help someone else, you can't expect someone to help you. So you're, you're putting good karma out there too, right? Because what, what you put out in the universe, it always comes back. And so even if it's just, even if it never comes back, it's still going to make you feel good. And, and so I, I think it's, it's super important. And, and like I said, that's why I'm involved in these groups. Because to your point, I feel supported and people make an effort to know who you are and what you do so that they can do exactly what you said. Hey, I've got someone that needs a job in this area. Do you know anyone? And we get emails like that all the time from the group. You know, or I need a, I remember we were doing an event and someone said they needed office space that the landlord had come in and said office space, like literally they were getting kicked out at the end of the month and through a Favob connection, they not only got the office space within like a week, but they got it at a discount too, because of the relationship, you know? And I mean, it was like that. That's too cool. And when you think about it, I mean, what, what you're saying, like you've led off with everything I need. Can you help me? You know, and it's about that asking for the help, the vulnerability mm-hmm. that's to these opportunities. So it's really like it's a, it's an interesting psychological uh, impact to asking for the help, both on the person asking, but more importantly, on the person that you're asking, you feel an immediate need to help, like mm-hmm. drop what you're doing and you go help. And I think internally in this company, like Best of PM, we trip over each other trying to help people. In fact, I did it this morning with Kelly, our director of uh, staff, and she's helping somebody and immediately without even thinking it, I'm helping at the same time. And now we're stepping over each other. Like, did you, did you help them or did I help them? Like, ah, right. we, we both did. Sorry. You know, yeah. <laughs> now That's we're, awesome. we're, we're apologizing to each other because we're basically double doubling up work. But I guess that was a really an aha moment. As you said that, why did we both feel the need to completely drop what we were doing? Because this individual said they needed something and it yeah. was an immediate service reaction. So I, it's real for all the listeners out there. It's real. If you ask for help, you've got Calvary and they're just, you just don't see them, right? right. They're in the tree line. They're, they're somewhere behind a wall and they're going to hear that cry for help. And then I, I just, I've seen it work too many times, over 6,000 mm-hmm. people. we just see every day somebody get help because they shot up a flare. You know, I, I think it's really powerful. And I, I guess I never really connected the dots until you said it. So I appreciate the, that nugget of wisdom. What, what else as, as you've kind of gone through your own transition, your own pivot, as you say, 
Has, have you read anything, any professional books that you're like, that really was like, you know, a burn in my saddle that got me going? I mean, that's all I did in the beginning, right? I, I told people they were like, are you dating anyone yet? I'm like, uh, you mean Tony Robbins? Because he's the only man that I talk to these days. Um, yeah, I read a ton of books. You know, it just depends on what you're into. Of course, a lot of mine were, um, you know, directed at um, being better in sales, right? And, and, and things of that nature. Um, recently, I, I've gone back and read some classics all over again. One of my favorites, and I've got it sitting here too, because I read little bits of it. It makes me laugh. Um is pull it over without knocking everything down. All I ever really needed to know, I learned in kindergarten. My Great dad book. gave me this book when I was in high school. And back then we had books on tape, right? And I love Robert Fulgham. He had a real deep Southern accent. He was a smoker and he had a real deep voice, you know what I mean? And I loved listening to him tell the stories of the in the book. And I think it's it's funny that I it's one of my fallbacks because of the fact that. It's true, right? We learn the mo most of how we relate to people in the world around us when we're kids. And a lot of that is impacted by your family and things like that. Um, recently, I've been reading The Tipping Point and, and I, I've fallen into this by recommendation of my CEO because thankfully we're doing really great things at Parabolus these days and we're on the verge of, of tipping. And there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And unfortunately, the groundswell from a marketing perspective is my fault. So I have a lot of responsibility coming for when that tip actually happens because we're we're dangling over the, the cliff right now, which is exciting and great. But, you know, it, it, it's going to be explosive and, and rewarding, but a lot. And this book is great because it gives so many cultural reflections of other companies and other aspects of society that have hit that point and what happens and what what sets it off and, and indicators and things like that. And I'm a dork. I'm a literate. I mean, Doc, you can relate. I'm a literature major. I love to read. I can relate to stuff like that. Um, I, I love Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I love that because it's old school, because I think that's what's lacking a lot of is that human to human, you know, contact. And I'm a, I'm a hugger. I want to know when your birthday is. I want to know how many kids you have. And I mean, I did an interview today with a kid that's potentially joining our treasury management department. And I asked him, do you have, I said, I know I'm probably not supposed to in an interview, but do you have a family? You're married. And he just kind of looked at me. I was like, I'm not looking to date you. <laughs> I'm like practically old enough to be your mom. I just want to know about you. You know, like, are you, are you single? So are you the one that's going to want to leave and go to happy hour afterwards? Or are we going to dinner and we're inviting the families to come with us? You know, that's because I'm the cultural interviewer. If they can, if they can pass the HR violated test that I provide, <laughs> <laughs> then they might be a good fit in my, in the office that I reside in. But, um, you know, I think we, that, things that motivate me the most. And I read a lot of motivating, um, motivational books or books that teach me about government contracting. I'm a dork. I like to, I listen to podcasts about government contracting when I exercise. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you. I mean, I think great. Two, two different books, the tipping point and all I ever needed to know. I learned in kindergarten. I mean, I think, uh, yeah. that's excellent. We always try to do that. It gets some kind of a professional reading and it, it's really, we kind of learned through a couple other people, like what made you great? I learned, like Tony Robbins actually says it. You mm -hmm. brought it up, but that's one of his things is the way I became great was reading other people's stories. Yeah. I mean, you go find a famous person, you go read their story. It's usually a less than optimal upbringing mm -hmm. and they persevered through some, they pushed through some kind of adversity 
And that was an imprint of what made them great, you know? So that's yep. his thing. I don't know if, if you've heard him say that before, but absolutely, you know, change is a good thing, right? Change is the only way you grow. If you're not constantly changing, then you're not growing. You know, that was what hearing him say that it was like, Oh, that's scary though. You know, that's why I stayed where I was for so long because I didn't want to have to change because I knew not only it was going to be hard and, but I wasn't going to be something that I liked the whole way through it, that I there was going to be a point in it. And there was, there were times where I was like, I, hate this so much. I'm miserable, but I would just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And, you know, finding shreds of things that I liked within it that were keeping me motivated to keep going. But it is, it is comforting to know that other people have gone through it. So that's why I think I chose someone like him. And, you know, he was influenced by Jim Rohn and, you know, like Zig Ziglar. I, I couldn't relate as much to them, right? Those guys were like the, I, I just figured it out. You know what I mean? Why can't you figure it out? And, but Tony Robbins came from nothing, you know, and he made something out of that. And I think that that's inspiring. And I mean, certainly know that there's a lot of inspiration coming out of veterans. So there's a lot of people that they can lean in on. And it's probably not someone that's famous. It's probably someone that is sitting right next to them in one of the meetings that we're going to, or joining an organization and learning from them. Um, you can find inspiration as long as you're looking for it, basically anywhere. You know, and we, we, that, that's our mission at VESAP and we help military veterans achieve meaningful, lucrative post-service careers. So in that statement, it's what we do, it's who we are, but it's not about us. Mm -hmm. Meaningful and lucrative is very personal to whoever hears that. Right. And, you know, I agree with you, Teresa. I've met some very famous people in their own minds and in their own communities and at their own companies. And you know what I mean? People look to them and, and when shit went south, they they lined up behind them to, to help them figure out the plan. I mean, you you never know who you're going to impact mm -hmm. and you never know where they're at. Like, could that be the day that they were going to go home and do something that's very terminal and yeah. you turned it around for them with just a kind word or a you in an interview? Hey, so tell me about, you know, you like, what do you do after work? Like, mm -hmm. how do you recharge? Because we're not all about just draining your energy here at this place. We want you to be a whole person so that when you are here, you're, you know, you're kicking ass and taking names. The mm -hmm. other thing too is, you know, it's easy speaking of psychology, we relate most to the thing we saw most recently or last. Yeah. So you look at a, a Tony Robbins, you look at a Teresa Moon, you look at a Jeremy Burdick and you think, wow, man, I can't do that. You know, how would I pivot? How would I achieve it? How would I? We are overnight successes, but it wasn't over one night. It was <laughs> thousands of nights of burning the oil and bumping in the walls and finding a path and so there is success. And Teresa, I love what you said about just find the small victory. You know, they say it all the time. I talk to military vets. How'd you get through SEER school? How'd you get through SEAL school? How'd you get through Ranger school? How'd you get through your A school? How did you get whatever school? Because they make it suck. They yell at you. They scream at you. They feed you lousy food. Like they let you sleep an hour and a half every night. Like every training event is made to make you as miserable as possible so that when you see it in the field, when you roll over and, you know, in a, in a fighting position and you roll over and you take a leak and then you roll back and you stay in the fighting position, you just get used to that stuff. Cause it's like, Hey man, I was trained in the suck. This is easy stuff, man. Right. Thank like not everything is that extreme, obviously, but just find the shreds. Hey, I just got to make it to lunch. Hey, the trainers are going to go home and have dinner with their family. Like at 1800, they're going to bail out. Like, I just got to make it till dinner time. Like, I just got to make it to tomorrow. And you make it through enough tomorrows. And you're like, hey, man, I just graduated. Like, I got, I'm on orders and I'm going to like where life is going to be good. 
So I just love so much things that you said in there about you just got to stay with it. You got to embrace the suck and you just got to get through it. Because once you get through it, the the pride and the sense of accomplishment that you'll have because you lived through it mm -hmm. is almost as much as any reward that you were going to get extrinsically, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, as a veteran too, the struggles that you're going through with what you're explaining aren't unique. Everyone around you is dealing with that too. So that's comforting. It's there's there's safety and security in numbers, right? And so when you know that everyone else is going through that, I think it probably made it even a little bit easier because you wake up in the suck and you know there's no one's just sitting next to you going, I love this. I love not getting sleep and getting shot at or eating <laughs> crappy food. Nobody says that, you know? And so in civilian life, it's not always the camaraderie is not always there. So there, therein lies the time that you've got to lean into those people who can relate and they might not jump at you like they did when you were serving, but they're there. I mean, I found it sometimes in Tony Robbins. I don't know him, but I felt so connected by the things that I was hearing that I didn't feel alone. You know, I, I was, I felt connected to the struggle through someone that I had never even met and I will never meet. You know, maybe I will, but, you know, I, I don't even care. You know, I it, it already worked. It helped. And I think that that's powerful. It doesn't have to be a physical warm body that actually, you know, can tell you face to face that I know what you're what you're dealing with. But you got to look for it or ask for it or, it, you know, you're you're taking it all on yourself. Way to bring it full circle. I mean, you think of the way we started this uh, this show was, you know, you got to get out there. You were social critters. And then as we ended up, the people that get in trouble are typically the isolated, mm -hmm. right? the ones that get separated from the herd. You know, this that's not that different than nature. The lion doesn't go after the center of the herd. He waits right. till one falls away and goes after the single. So strength in numbers. I like that. Uh, enjoying the suck with your buddies. You know, that's 100% true. You can get mm -hmm. through it because you know they're getting through it. And they're thinking, I can get through it because this guy can get through it. And, and before you know it, you're getting through it together. So mm -hmm. I do, I love how you brought that, brought that back around. And for anybody to listen out there that feels like, Hey, they're alone. Remember what we said about shooting up that flare. We'll, we'll find you. We'll see it. Someone nearby will, will catch, catch wind that you need help, but it's mm -hmm. okay to be vulnerable and ask for help. So, wow. Absolutely. As we wrap it up, I mean, is there any last uh, parting shots that you want to throw out there? Well, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for helping. So I, I I think you guys are amazing. So if there's ever anything that I can do to help, um, you know, put the word out there for what you're doing, maybe even it's helping an individual get a job or helping promote what you guys are doing so other people know who you are, um, happy to do that. I think that's, that's the best tip that I can give. If you don't look for what's in it for me first, um, you're more apt to find that people will rally behind you quicker. Um, you know, and, and so it's hard to look at it when you're, when you're in that survival mode. Um, you know, not thinking of yourself first. Of course, you're going to put your, you know, basic needs ahead of anything else. But when it comes to business, if you lead with, um, you know, putting others first and the needs of other people first, you will find success and, and satisfaction that you might not otherwise. So I can't say enough about that. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Doc, any important shots for the group? I would just say, man, I mean, you know, Teresa's living proof. I mean, we've got folks like her in our networks and, you know, we've got over 100,000 folks across all our networks now. I mean, 
if we don't know somebody, we know Teresa's and she's only two degrees away from somebody that can That's help right. you. Right. So, and uh, she can help you add lampposts to your network, you know, <laughs> on top of that. So, I mean, I would just say, connect with SPM, connect with us at SPM, connect with Teresa. I mean, that's to me, LinkedIn, regardless of whether you think it's becoming Facebook or, I mean, I don't even know what Facebook is. I can't even spell Facebook. Right. But to me, LinkedIn is what it's always been. It's a digital platform where you can connect with folks that can help you do business, do relationships, do trust, do goods and services, receipt or sales or whatever. We know Teresa's connect with us, connect with her. You, I mean, you heard her. She just spent 60 minutes and I'm sure we could have gone much longer of ways that she can help you. And not because there's something in it for Teresa. Teresa right. just enjoys the help in part because she knows the, the, the good stuff's going to follow, right? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would just say, man, if you want access to people like Teresa, giants whose shoulders you can stand on, connect with us all on LinkedIn, man. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. I think it's going to turn out to be a really insightful show, and there's just so much packed in there. Hopefully, they can get it all. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. And uh, I hope you'll have me back again. Right on. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you for tuning in and spending a bit of time with us at the Military Transition Academy powered by Vets to PM. If we piqued your interest, but you want more details, please head over to the website vets2pm.com and see if we can help prepare you for a better tomorrow or a future meaningful and lucrative career.